welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Ladies. I see one lady. Hi. Two, I'm sorry. I did say ladies. I only saw one. Appreciate everyone uh, showing up for this session. My name is Kurt Kay. I'm the facilitator for this meeting. Our meeting topic is incomplete step one. This leads to chronic slipping. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. I remind everyone that this is a recorded meeting in the spirit of the 12th step. The recorder will not be turned off. If you do not wish to be recorded, we suggest that you choose another meeting at which to share or participate by listening. At this time, I would like to introduce our speaker. It is Peter H. here from Akron, and uh, he will share uh, his experience Strength and his hope. Peter? I'm Peter and I'm a sexaholic. Um, and I'm uh, grateful to be here. I've been sober since um, December the 13th of 2007. Um, and uh, part of my story is that. Uh, I've also I was also once sober for six years and six months, um, and there'll be more about that in a bit. Um, and I um, have been learning a lot about listening to my higher power. And uh, this morning, in my morning meditation, I had a reading that was very relevant to this topic. And uh, let me read a couple of things to you, and then I'll share my experience, strength, and hope. The first is I'd like to read from the steps. Um, I'm forgetting to use my glasses. I'm powerless over my sight, too. Um, First of all, I'm going to read step 12, and I'll explain that in a bit. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to sexaholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And then step one. We admitted that we were powerless over lust, that our lives had become unmanageable. And here's the reading that I had this morning. Um, it's from uh, Recovery Continues uh, How Sobriety Was Keeping Me From Recovery and it's one paragraph 
Being technically sober, I came to feel I wasn't really powerless anymore. So the reality of the first step never stuck. I have never come to, I had never come to terms with the first step on the inside. I had only felt it initially in withdrawal from the compulsion. Without the continuing first step experience, there is no program. Today I see that I am powerless over lust and a whole lot of other things, resentment and fear, for example. In short, I am powerless over my defective self. Although I had taken the first step many times, there was no continuing step one reality in my experience. And the word I want to focus on there is continually. Um, and in the twelfth step, it talked about practicing these principles in all our affairs. And that includes step one. Um, I certainly took step one um, sometime soon after I came into this program and got sober for some period of time and had some success with this program. But there have been many times when I have stopped continuing to use step one. Let me tell you my story. Um, when I was uh, 15, uh, I found myself in the um, men's bathroom at my school uh, pretty much every morning uh, with some pornography and masturbating and hating it. I got to the point where I wanted to quit, but I didn't know how. A little while later, I had an experience that helped me quit, which I now know as being in the program was a first um, willingness to take step one and to surrender to God. And that lasted probably till about, I was about 22 and married. Um, and I slipped back into my addiction or acting out my addiction. I think it had still continued through those years. Um, and eventually I was confronted by my wife. She found some pornography and said she wouldn't accept this. And I went to my first meeting and I learned about the steps. And I learned about being powerless, powerless over lust, and eventually, as I worked the steps, powerless over many other things, resentment, self-pity, fear, um, perfectionism, to name a few. And uh, through that, um, I got some measure of recovery, which led to eventually six years of sobriety. Um, and I thought I got it made. I thought everything was going to be okay. And things got a lot better. My marriage got a lot better. My relationships got a lot better. My work got a lot better. Um, and then some things happened in my life, um, mostly around my work. And uh, these eventually led me to uh, having partial slips and then outright slip and relapse. Um, and that went on for a while, so we'll fast forward a bit. Um, and uh, 
I get to uh, the year uh, 2005, and uh, I went through some difficult times with relapsing, um, and uh, but eventually I got up and said, "Okay, I got. I kept on going to meetings. I kept on trying to work the program. Um, people kept on trying to support me. Kept on trying to re- reach out to me, and uh, I just." had another relapse and and I was at work and I was thinking about going somewhere I hadn't been for I don't know 10 years and I was headed out of the door to do that um, and I got there and the place no longer existed um, and then I thought oh I know another place so I went there, and there the wrecking ball was uh, was on that place. They were knocking it down and building something new. Um, so I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to go home. I, you know, but then I noticed a uh, a video store. So I uh, went in there, and I was just about to go over a line that I hadn't crossed before, uh, and. Uh, I got a sense of I didn't want to do that. And I was able to ask God to help me get home. Because I knew if I got home, my wife would be there and I would have some safety. Um, So I got home and I thought, okay, I'll just go to bed, be all right. But my wife was, was sitting there, had been praying, and realized that something was wrong, and she confronted me. And I didn't want this. I didn't want to be confronted. I just wanted to kind of brush it away. Um, and she confronted me and said, what's been going on? Where are you? Um, so I thought, okay, I'll just be honest. I'll tell her exactly what happened and what's been going on. Um, and I did that. She wasn't very happy. Um, I wasn't very happy with her response. Um, And I'm going to say it's no laughing matter, Frank. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I know you know, Frank. <laughs> and uh, so then I, uh, I uh, asked God to help me and started to make, I think it was phone calls every day to people in the program and getting back on my horse. And I did pretty well for about seven months. Um, and I would like to say, you know, that's the end of the story and things are good. And I, But I still have lessons to learn. And I think with this step one, for me, uh, I often have a problem. Bill Wilson said he had a problem with that, that he, lack of power. He talked about lack of power. And certainly that's that's a problem I have. But the problem I'm thinking of is that I often think I have power, the illusion that I have power, that I can take that look, that I can watch a certain TV program that I know is going to have something that isn't good for me, um, etc. And I forget that I am powerless. And that's the continued step one experience that I need to have every day. It's just to get up and say, you know, 
<clears throat> I am not able to take a lust drink. Other people may be able to. You know, people at work who kid around sometimes about certain people. But I can't do that. Um, and there are other things that I, that I find that I'm powerless over. Step one talks about un- being unmanageable. Um, and I'll just close with uh, let's see, okay. a, a story, a recent story, um, that really talks about um, the strength and hope that I have and want to have. Um, I went to work about uh, two weeks ago and uh, I got an email from my from somewhere um, I think it was an automatic email that they generate at work which sent me to a website which had a performance evaluation of me and I looked at this evaluation and there were seven things good and one thing that wasn't good so uh, so I focused on the one thing that wasn't good um, and uh, my boss had scheduled a meeting the next day, so I thought, well, I'd need to wait for that meeting. So I was fretting. Um, but then at one point I remembered, you don't know what this means. Um, give it up. So I gave it up, I thought, um, at least got distracted. And I spent the whole day busy. And then I went hiking in the evening with a friend of mine, and I normally would tell my friend about these kind of things, and it would help me. But I didn't. I decided I wasn't going to ruin the hike for my friend by by whining about this email I'd gotten. So uh, I came home. Um, my wife was there. I could have talked to my wife. But instead, she went to bed, and I thought, oh, I'll just watch this one DVD I have that I, think, that I thought was safe. Turns out it wasn't. Um... And it had a short sex scene in it. So I chose to go back and watch it again. And when that happened, I realized something was wrong. I said, okay, there's something wrong here I'm not looking at. Um, and fortunately, it didn't set up the same relapse scenario that I had been in. I went upstairs and thought, okay, I'll just get on my knees and, and surrender this. So that's what I did. I got on my knees, surrendered it. Um, then my wife woke up and, uh, she just had a bad dream. So I got this thought, which was, oh, you could tell your wife what's going on. She's right there. She's awake now. And in fact, when I was praying, I got a sense that I needed to talk to my wife the next day. Uh, but I thought, no, no, she's had a bad dream. You know, I'll just go to bed, um, so then I went, I did go to bed and I prayed that God would give me sleep. I slept, um, got up in the morning. So I said, I got to tell my wife, this is part of my honesty, honesty pact with her, is to tell her when things aren't working out. Um, and I had my morning meditation. And the meditation I had is... Um, I read from my sacred writings, um, 
and it was about, um, it's the story where this person was told they weren't going to deny, and they did deny. And the person's name is Peter, which I couldn't mistake as this is about me and my denial. So, um, um, I then went downstairs and talked to my wife and told her everything again. And she was very supportive. She was not like the time before. She was uh, grateful that I was being honest. And I was glad that I was being honest. And also encouraged me that I could be honest sooner. Um, and this is the thing that I think helps me, is just to be honest. Um, you know, when I think that I can... Um, carry on without dealing with a character defect or I think I can watch TV when I'm in that state um, you know I am not not saying that I believe step one I think I have some power and I don't and I need to reach out and talk to God and talk to you and admit you know I can't do it I need God's help. I need your help. And when I do that, I don't have to lust. I don't have to resent. Um, and my life is better. You know, I have a good relationship with my wife. I have a good relationship at work um, and with my other family members. So I think it's in that little piece of... Um, In the step, in step 12, where it says, practice these principles in all our affairs. And Roy says in, in the reading I read, to continue that. That's something that I have to remember, is to continue to do step one, and of course all the other steps. But without step one, the 12 and 12 says step one is the firm bedrock of our program. So I'm pretending if I think I can do step four and five without having a firm step one, I'll trip up. So I think I'm done, but I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. I'd like to thank Peter for... Uh, his share. We will now open the floor for sharing. Because of our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait to be recognized by me. No crosstalk, please. Please keep your sharing uh, to two to three minutes, allowing everyone to share his or her experience. If you exceed the allotted time, I'll let you know. <laughs> If you would like to share, please form a line. We probably won't be able to do a line, but if we could have like two or three people, maybe just up here to the front, then as one person sits down, another person could come up so that we are constantly moving. Um, please keep in mind that, that this is being recorded. If you would like to share, uh, all right, please, uh, you need to stay close to the microphone. We are not allowed to remove the microphone from the holder. That's why this chair is right here. 
So you will need to sit in this chair, and we will have this microphone very close to you. Um, our purpose in Sherry is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery, and we focus on the SA 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles of publications other than SA or AA-approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis is on recovery, the solution, and honesty, using the steps in our daily lives. Again, please remember that this uh, meeting is being recorded. And I think I will start with the first lead. My name is Kurt. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I guess I one of the uh, strong points in me getting to step one, I guess, is the way that I got there. Um, I've been married for 31 years, but I've had a sexual problem probably ever. When I say problem, I'm, I'm encompassing a lot of things. If I go back to my childhood with my, both of my parents were alcoholics. Um, they divorced when I was nine. My father used to beat my mother. My mother used to run around. Um, there are six of us in the family. I'm the only one that even made it through high school. Um, I could go on and on. Uh, I have a brother that's been in jail most of his life, another brother that uh, went through the Navy, three sisters that have been married and remarried and, and involved in drugs and alcohol. And how I avoided alcohol, I don't know. <laughs> how I have avoided drugs, I don't know. Um, I think it's just the fact that I lived with it. But for some reason, um, the sexaholic part uh, was, I was never able to avoid that. Um, so I helped my mother raise my brothers and sisters, uh, living on welfare, uh, standing at the door of the trailer, telling men that my mom was not there when they came from the bar because they, you know what they were looking for and, and, and I could go on and on about the things that I had to endure when I went through high school. I fed both of my sisters, changed their diapers, um, gave them breakfast before I went to high school. And hopefully that they got a decent amount of food during the day. And, uh, when I was in high school, it was just, I knew that I just not want to live that way. So I decided to, uh, I got involved in Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts got me involved in the church. And it was like, there's my savior, the church. I'll just get involved in the church. That'll, that'll do it. So, um, then I even decided to go to the ministry. Very difficult standing up on a pulpit, preaching, giving a sermon, quoting scriptures, telling people as yourself, this is wrong. This is a sin. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. At the same time, my head is off all in the wrong places. There wasn't anything right here in my heart. And I knew that was wrong. But I, I kept telling myself that if I continue to do this, I'll be okay. And it, it never was. Um, so um, I went through eight years of marriage, two children, uh, divorced, I've been married uh, 31 years now, and my wife has dealt with my problem off and on and off and on until three years ago. Uh, someone made a phone call to my wife and, and 
just walked in and said, so who is so-and-so? Quote, and what the is going on? And it was like, it didn't, I didn't speak. God spoke right through me. I just came right out and I said, yes, I've been having an affair. And I have been. And I've got this problem. And why I said that, I don't know. Cause, and, but it was the right thing to be said. And from there, it was it was ugly. It was ugly. It was very rough. Um, um, <laughs> but it was one of the best phone calls that was probably ever made to my house. And as a result of that, I became very stressful, um, very paranoid about my job and everything else. And uh, I ended up in the doctor's office bad enough that my doctor, I explained to my doctor, was the first person that I told, first professional. And uh, at the time, he said, I I don't know if I can let you walk on my office. Um, I was so depressed. And he said, you guarantee me right now you're not going to do something between here and, and your house, and I'll, I'll let you go. So I looked at him, and I said, okay, I'll guarantee that. Because I was really thinking about just driving right into a tree on the way home. And... Uh, the first thing he said to me was, Kurt, I believe in prayer. And it was like, well, I've been praying all my life. What? So do I. <laughs> but it didn't meant nothing. It meant nothing until that day. So as a result of that, um, um, I went home, talked to my wife, looked up SA on the website, called somebody. And like, who am I talking to on the end of the phone that I have to explain this stuff to? Yes, the gentleman said, you do qualify for SA. And there is a meeting in your area at this time on this day. So I went to that meeting, walked in that door, and I was like, oh, no, this is like you see on TV where you stand up with somebody and say, hi, I'm John so-and-so. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone, and you say something and they laugh. And it was, I wasn't sure what was going on. So I just listened, I got a sponsor, um, worked with my sponsor, and uh, when I got to step one, it was, it was I went through step one, and it was like, this is the only time in my whole entire life that I could stand or sit and talk to anyone, one person, 30 people, and tell them exactly how miserable I was as a person and all of the miserable things that I have done. Um, and it was one of the best things that have happened to me three years ago. Um, I have not worked my way through all the steps. I'm stuck. And I've been trying to go to these other sessions, uh, except I'm a gopher for rich. So um, I, will get to, I will get to some. I'm stuck on uh, step six, but I will work through it. But I have been sober since uh, that day um, that that phone call was made. But step one, I keep going back in my mind, and I keep going back that I have to believe that I'm powerless and that my life is unmanageable. Now, I'm going to keep trying to move forward. So with that, thank you very much for listening. 
The floor is now open for anyone else to share. I would appreciate if you would please uh, come up here, and um, I will keep time for you. I will let you know if your three minutes are up. And again, um, you need to speak very clearly so that everyone in the room can hear you. And uh, I will have the microphone uh, close enough so that this will work. So the floor is now open. Hi, my name is Andrew, and I am both a sexaholic and I am a chronic slipper. And I definitely identify with the shares uh, this, uh, this afternoon. And I think that I can handle something. And I think I have power to get through it without acting out. And it turns out I can't. A common situation for me is to feel stressed out at work um, in the afternoon. I mean, the afternoon uh, at work is definitely a vulnerable time for me. And there have been uh, many times that I have thought it would be good to make a call, you know, around 3 or 4 p.m., you know, go out to the uh, stairwell and make a call to somebody. And I don't. And a lot of those times I have, you know, on the way home, picked up some pornography, gone home and, and masturbated. I've seen other days where I actually have gotten up from my desk, taken that cell phone, made calls to people in the program, and I haven't acted out. I, I don't recall ever acting out when, I, when I've done that during an afternoon. Another thing that I think I can handle that I can't are movies. I, earlier this year, went out to see No Country for Old Men, and uh, you know I thought, oh, there's, there's nothing sexual in this, and... There wasn't anything sexual, but I came out of that theater feeling extremely upset and full of darkness, and I went home and acted out that night. And now I'm in a situation where I'd like to go see the new Batman movie, but I've read, you know, it causes you to feel upset. So I can't handle it, and, you know, I need to believe that I am powerless over, over lust at all times, and God willing, I'll stay sober. Thank you. Hi, I'm Marty. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, yeah, I could I could uh, uh, relate to being a chronic slipper. I'm kind of one of those binge people, so you know I go three or four weeks and I'm fine, no lust or very little, and and I think oh you know I got this beat, which is ridiculous, of course, and I can laugh at myself for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I think for me, uh, incomplete uh, step one and surrender also includes. Uh, some other key, real core uh, life issues. So for me, it would be uh, some resentment at my family members and how I was treated as I grew up, and I need to work on that. And this is not an excuse for acting out, but it's just a major issue that goes along with it. And um, and also anger. And I've had some issues with anger with my wife and and, and in the past with other people. So, you know, I need to uh, also do step one on those so that I can move forward with the entire program. And, uh, you know, um, I also have to, you know, realize I don't have that power that I think I do at times. And, for instance, there's a – I've been careful sometimes in, in picking anonymous partners or, or what have you, but uh, at one point I approached a former 
tenant of mine at a, at a rental house I had. And, and then now, if I sometimes even if I drive by the area of town where she lives now, as far as I know, and I don't really know, uh, that can be a trigger for me. So I have to realize I, if, if it takes changing my route home, even though that's convenient, i got to do that. If, it, uh, if it's being very careful about watching TV at all or movies, I try to pick PG movies or general rated movies just so that I and I I I, I read websites that, that talk about what's the content is in movies just so I know uh, that they're safe for children and then I can go. So I have to take whatever precautions that I need to take and uh, realize I don't have power and uh, unfortunately I have to realize that and keep that in mind 24 hours a day and I think that's where I fall down and. Um, Hopefully, uh, I know I went to treatment this spring and I was gone for two months and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be fixed now. Well, that didn't that didn't do it all. I still have to have that daily willingness. And, uh, um, you know, without that, uh, I could say an incomplete step one is uh, not doing step one all the time. And that's about it. Thanks. Hi, I'm Hans, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Hans. I, well, this, the topic spoke to me, uh, being a, a chronic slipper and having made perhaps an incomplete uh, surrender on step one. I hadn't this idea so far, but uh, what my incomplete, my, my chronic slippering is not on the outside physical sobriety. I came into the program Today I'm, 80, I'm 68 and I came into the program 22 years ago, I think at 46. At this time I had ruined my first marriage and had left my first marriage and my two kids. This was all addiction, had all been addiction. And I had tried a second partnership which didn't emerge into a marriage, but uh, which also uh, well, did not work and could not work. And at that time I had a spiritual experience, I had an encounter with the Lord, and I got healed, and I got a, another marriage, and I was led into the program. And I was given the, the grace that I was able to be uh, sober on the physical level from the very first day. So, uh, but it took me, I guess, many years to realize what was going on in my head inside. And uh, trying to deal with lust and to uh, and our sobriety definition says that there are two parts and the second part is not just the physical sobriety it is also the the mental sobriety and it is the mental purity and I realized that I have a few of that and I would look around with my eyes and see and observe how my eyes are grasping things and I would uh, and things like that. And I would uh, be lusty within myself. I wouldn't like it, but I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> well, I decided I uh, cannot look at movies. I cannot go to the television. Oh, well, and I, I really tried hard for a couple of years, many years, tried to get a new sponsor who were just uh, lead me on this. But couldn't find one. Uh, and... Well, after many years of trying in vain, I again 
And I think over the last three, four, five years, I had occasionally, perhaps every six months, or had I an, a lust attack, and I would look into the television, <coughs> and or I would look for a movie, what has may have sex scenes in it, but would not admit it to myself that I did so. So, <coughs> well, my 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 presumption is that it must have be must be something with an incomplete surrender of step one because uh, while being uh, knowing myself as being physically sober and knowing that is not enough but uh, I mean not really uh, being able to go into the a new depths of a new level of, uh, con of surrender and being able to to surrender it all together so Two months ago, I had an experience which was poisoning, and I saw a movie which had, uh, which was recommended in the newspaper, and which had uh, pretty explicit, explicit sex scenes. And uh, I, I realized that this is exactly the kind of stuff what my poisoned mind wanted to see. And so, I mean, this was a confrontation, at least. And so, I had a new, a new surrender uh, for myself no television at all which is the only thing what feels sober for me just because just thinking on the television makes me in the background of my mind thinking is there anything what can trigger your lust so and the second thing is I can see uh, look at movies because mine is looking and looking is for me just the, the looking is for me dangerous thank you, thank you. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm a sexaholic. Um, about this uh, first step stuff, um, I'm a chronic nun, want to do my first stepaholic. <laughs> um, I have been in the program seven months now, and uh, I'm mortified to do my first step. And I've tried to do it a couple of times now, and I've just, um, in reading my book, I was just so excited that there was a step zero. So I felt like I was doing something, even though I really wasn't doing much. But going to the meetings was so wonderful and getting myself involved in the service work and um, just, you know, meet, meeting people. Um, being one of the only women in the program, um, for me, my experience was walking in and almost walking right back out. Um, but uh, I stayed because I knew I needed it, and that was good for me. But um, I thank you for sharing, and it was just great. Um, but for, for me, with the first step, um, I'm just recognizing that, yes, a, thor a thorough first step is absolutely essential for me personally, um, the fear for me is um, remembering and remembering those things that I have um, done and not wanted to remember or not wanted to acknowledge. And um, so it's easier just to forget. Um, and so um, when I started to do it before, um, when I put the pad down, it just stayed down. And so at this conference here, I'm actually taking time away from my family and um, and just actually doing it, I'm doing it at this conference. I'm taking the opportunity and the time to say, okay, enough's enough. I don't have excuses, and I'm going to do it. And I was challenged by one of my um, 
co, you know, essay friends, um, here to actually take the time and do it today. And so that's what I've been doing in between and it's been fantastic. It's been hard and I've been crying a lot today and I probably don't have any more makeup left on, but it's, it's really, it's good and, and, and it's freeing. Um, and that's what I'm finding. And the more I'm remembering and the more it hurts, um, it's also liberating. And, um, you know, as they say, we're only as sick as our secrets. It's also, um, it's like setting those demons free. Uh, well, I don't know how that sounds, but you know, it's, it's, it's helping me to heal already. And it was so interesting how God works because, um, I was just sitting there and someone had walked in the room that looks identical to one of um so, you know my ex-boyfriends that I had acted out with that's actually very very um a big part of who um I had started with um but it is somebody I completely forgot about completely forgot about and so I, I can then um meet with that in my head and journal and move on with so anyway thank you for letting me share I'm Dave, and I'm a sexaholic. I came in and got a couple of years sobriety right off the bat. Uh, Slipped. God taught me that you can come back from a slip, uh, and have continued to slip every couple of months over the last couple of years. Um, But I value the the recovery that I've received and see God's God's hand in my life. Um. I have come to believe that uh, that I really the choice for me is is one or the other. Either I can live in my will, or I can live in God's will. And um, there's just no uh, option when I am in David's will, when I'm doing my life the way I want to do it and control uh, the things I want to control. Um, I set myself up for a slip, and when the when the temptation comes, uh, I fall. Uh, and, and I do a lot of program things. I go to meetings and call my sponsor every day, and I read the big book every day. And I, I do a lot of things, but that doesn't save me from uh, slipping either. And I've come to understand that, that there just is no wiggle room for me. It's either God's will uh, or it's my will. And it can't be both. And... Um, I have about 30 years of a, of a example of my will and how it works, and it's, it doesn't work all that well. I, I kind of mess things up. But every time I'm in God's will, it works, and, and my God, my higher power, keeps me sober. Thanks. My name's Dave, and I'm a sexaholic. When I started this program back in 2001, I was a real chronic slipper. I did that for a number of years and finally got uh, some sobriety, got around four years, and then just recently slipped again. And and I'll be honest, I'm scared to death that I'm going to go back out there. And so that's part of why, I don't know if I really wanted to speak this meeting, but that's part of why I'm here. I, and I think that incompleteness is something that, that reigns supreme with me. I think when I initially did my first step with my sponsor 
um, you know, a number of years, a few years ago. There were little things that I left out that probably, you know, I should get those details down that I think I'm going to do as I, you know, work to redo the steps now again, do them again. Um, and also, I know that there's some incompleteness in um, what I tell my sponsor and what I tell others in the program. I leave little details out, and I figure if I don't actually say it, then I didn't lie. <laughs> But as we know, it's omission. And when I omit things, um, I, you know, it's, it doesn't help me any and, and it doesn't work on my program. It isn't being honest with my higher power. And, um, I know that in order to, um, in order to maintain recovery and have, have more sobriety that, uh, I just need to live in the light and take things one day at a time. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Tim, and I'm a sexaholic. Well, I think the simplest way to say this is that uh, I uh, really don't know whether I'm powerless or not. Uh, I know if I start playing games like sexual fantasies or you for recall in my mind, I'm asking for trouble. Or if I look at a woman too long, I'm asking for trouble, and uh, I, I avoid doing those things. But uh, I mean, if I do, or if I start touching various parts of my body, I'm in trouble. Um, but um, whether I really do believe that I'm completely powerless, I, I, I'm not too sure about that. And uh, came to this workshop because I don't want the lack of a thorough first step to lead me back into acting out again. And uh, my my history is the first uh, 11 years I was in sexual recovery programs, uh, I could not stop acting out. Uh, longest I ever got was two months. And that's because I was in special circumstances where I couldn't buy pornographic magazines. And uh, then I had uh, I've had a couple good periods, a little over three years, a little over two years. Now I have almost six and a half months. It's the third longest I've ever had. But in between that, it'd be getting two months, getting three months. I mean, um, a lot of times I was a periodic. I could go for a length of time and I'd masturbate. And uh, I, uh, I really don't want the acting out. And I, I don't want the looking or thinking about lustful things either. I don't want any, any of this lust stuff. But... Um, it's all around me in the country I live in, and it's all so much of it is stood on my own memory from all the magazines I look at, and uh, it's um, just uh, God. I uh, what I can do about this is talk to my sponsor about my step one. Just am I convinced I'm powerless, and how I can get convinced I am powerless at all times, and. Uh, um, and, and start thinking and reflecting about this myself on my own. Maybe even do a little writing, do a little written work for a change. So um, that's all I have. Thanks for listening. Thanks, thank you. I'm Chris. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Chris. Uh, I've been in SA for 16 years, and my sobriety day is June 1st. I didn't want to say that. But I came to this meeting because I've struggled with chronic relapse. 
and I've I've run through all the All Star sponsors in my area, and uh, I'm kind of on the last one. And uh, I uh, was just thinking during the meeting what it's like for me right before I act out, because I do so stone cold sober every time. And uh, I've written uh, three or four different first step inventories. I've kind of refined them, gotten them better and better. And uh, I was just wondering what is what is an incomplete surrender for me? And um, so I agree with some of the drastic measures people talked about, no TV, that sort of stuff. When I travel for work, I've, I've asked for the TV to be removed. And then some days or some trips, I feel like, well, I'll just put the towel over it. And I, I wonder about that. Maybe I'm trying to take back a little control. But uh, rather than what did I leave out of my first step inventory, um, I'm asking myself, what am I not doing to admit that I'm powerless today? Um, you know, I'm doing a renewal call now, and um, you know, we talk every day. You know, where were you tempted to lust? And when there's a, you know, an attractive person in my life at work, um, today what I'm doing is just trying to remember the look on my my spouse's face. Uh, when I had to share with her recently about my, my recent relapse. And that, that, that pain, that reminder of that pain, sort of mirrors my own pain, and it's been a helpful reminder. But um, that's just one of the things I do. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Beth, a sexaholic. Um this disease has uh, ruined my life and, and given me a life. I, um, I uh, came to this meeting because I'm on the ninth step in another program. And I have a wonderful sponsor. And I have a wonderful higher power. But um, somewhere deep inside of me, I feel like I have not surrendered fully, and and so when you share this truth, or even if it's a hunch, maybe the power of the people will help me here. And I have been very blessed that I haven't acted out because a situation came to me through higher power that my husband got it, and it came through his mouth that I was to amend, repent, and Pray. I look those things up. I define them. I remember them. I I understand them. And it's funny that I keep running into these words, and it it keeps coming to me: amend, repent, and pray. And I haven't acted out, but I do feel I feel nervous that I need to do a very good um, first step. And and um, I just want to make that my bottom line here is that. Anybody who has any really, you know, bottom line, um, you know, after. Thank you all. Thank you. I'm Robert. I'm a sex addict. Uh, I've been back in the program this time about 18 months, and I have about 15 months sober. And I feel kind of silly saying this, but uh, I'm I'm uh, sharing what a lot of my chronic slipping friends have told me. So I'm not really a sex addict. I'm here for somebody else. No, I am. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
Uh, but what I found that's been helpful about this share is someone else shared earlier about uh, mental sobriety. And uh, it's certainly an area that I struggle with. And I struggle with all the things that everyone said, except it's about mental. Oh, I've got this fixed. I've got about, a, I've maybe had a month before a real hard hit. Or I've had a month-long reprieve, in effect. And uh, I, I suddenly have something come up. I forget that I've established some rules about what things I can do and what things I can't do. I don't have TV at home, that sort of thing. Um, and I forget. I think, oh, I've got this. I'm, I'm cured. Um, and the, one of the things that's been most helpful for me and, and some of uh, my friends in the program is to go through the list of lies that I tell myself before I lust. Um, and some of those lies are, um, I can handle it, is the first one. It's the biggest number one lie. I can handle this. Um, no one will know. Uh, no one's going to be hurt. Um, probably the, the the biggest one is um, the only thing that's going to resist, that's going to help this the way I feel right now, is to to, to give in. That's the only thing that's going to fix it. And those are all lies. Um, so I just want to share those with all of you. Thanks. Anyone else? No. Nope. First, I'd like to apologize for having to tell you that you can't talk anymore. <laughs> but I'm sure you understand that we're on time constraints. And uh, so I do apologize. I don't apologize because it does give everyone a chance to talk. And unfortunately, in a meeting like this, uh, I had to do that. Um, but at least I didn't have to smack anybody. Uh, our purpose in sharing... Um, well, here I am at the meeting. Yep, I missed a paragraph. Sorry. I'd like to thank you all for coming. I would like to thank the speaker, Peter, and all the participants that participated in sharing for your experience, your strength, and your hope. Remember, this is an anonymous program. Uh, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories that you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside this room. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers that you learn about in SA to yourself. What we say here, let it stay here. After a moment of silence for the sick and the suffering inside and outside of, the, of these rooms, please let us close with the third step prayer. I'd appreciate it for everyone to please stand. <clears throat> I have to stay close to the microphone, Peter. After uh, a moment of silence for the sick and the suffering again, uh, let us close with the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and to do with me as Thou was will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I With thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, and it won't if you don't. So work it because you're worth it. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Peter. I have a question for you. Okay. How'd your evaluation go? <laughs> ah, very good question because it turns out that the whole thing was a mistake. How about that? Yes, exactly. How about that? Yeah. It's, uh, um, I had only been working there two months. And my boss thought that she had to evaluate me, and she didn't. But somehow she set something in motion. I so, agree. Uh, just one comment. Uh, several people mentioned your neighborhood that you can't go to. Yeah. Mine is in my head. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sure. I can't go. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> You're welcome. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.